Welcome to Intent, a series of conversations between a couple of friends where we share our experiences wrestling with real life. My name's Jim Sutton and I'm talking with a good friend, Steve Rouse. We're two of the pastors of Ballon Baptist Church and we're having these weekly conversations as a bit of an experiment. We haven't planned what we're going to talk about, which could be painfully obvious to you, but our intent is to focus on real life, where we actually find ourselves and not just where we think we should be. I'm wondering what it might mean to try and follow Jesus through it all. Today we explore video games, humility and forgotten buggies, as well as the odd diary malfunction. enjoying well he's enjoying completely thrashing me on everything at oh the good and, and, oh, is, it's no fun at all <laughs> so <laughs> it, when he's not around i'm going to practice like mad to try <laughs> that's funny yeah. that's funny it makes me think of something you know I'll, I'll come i'll come i'll come around to why this is relevant but um you know like each monday to wednesday ada goes off to childminder the other side of the common mm. and on on monday the um the lady who's looking after has another kind of small girl who's like just slightly younger than Ada. Ada's just whatever she is, 20, 21 months old. Um, and so on a Monday, she has another girl. So what happens is I walk Ada across the common and then I walk home with her with her buggy, with her pushchair thing. And then I take it back again in the afternoon to go and collect her, you know, because they've, they've got like a double one and these things are enormous. Um, so it just it's one less thing in the house. Um, and a, a couple of weeks ago uh, on, a, on a Monday, uh, I went and got her in the afternoon and I got I got all the way to the playground where I, where I pick her up from. And then it suddenly hit me. I was like, I haven't got the buggy. I haven't brought it with me. And it's like, a, I don't know how far it is. It's not that far, but it's like a 20 minute walk maybe. And um, well, maybe 15. But like I got, I got there, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was like, well, I'll just, we'll just have to, we'll just have to walk, you know, we'll just have to we'll just have to manage it kind of thing so what what happens is we generally like we stay in the park we play for ages um there's like a sand pit and everything so like both of us are just like full of sand by the time we come home which sarah loves um <laughs> and, and then we started walking home and like i was like well it's fine because like I'll, I'll just i'll just carry her and we'll just walk and i'll get sore arms and um that will be a learning lesson for me it'll be a thing for me that will help me know um never to do it again basically um <laughs> so we left the playground and i said oh we haven't got a buggy today head what i'll do i'll carry you right and she was like mm, she didn't exactly give me a ring and endorsement so we 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 got on with it uh and i was carrying her bag as well which is not like a rucksack it's like one of these like shoulder bag oh yeah things, you know like a i don't know how to describe it other than like it's a it's a bag with a couple of handles yeah. so i lobbed that on and literally got oh i don't know 20 yards and then she's like she's like flipping trying to wrestle her no oh, i don't know what like a, a, it's this kind of mad kind of crab thing. She's just there going down, 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 down. I was like, fine. Do you want to watch? She's like, yeah. I was like, okay. So we started walking, but I mean, you might, you might know that path across the common. It's not the widest path in the world and it is busy. <laughs> so like there's runners, there's cyclists, there's other people with buggies and double buggies and other people just minding their own business. Uh, and so I'm trying to walk her along there. Um, and then she gets it in her head that, actually she she really likes this song that goes zoom 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 we're going to the moon zoom 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 we'll be there very soon five four three two one go right um that's the gist of it but she wasn't gonna move unless we sung the song right 
So she'd stop, she'd stop walking, we'd sing the song, she'd take three or four steps. And then she stopped and she goes, zoop, zoop, zoop. It's like, oh, no, we've got to. I was going to say, do you do the actions? Think, of course we of course we do the actions. All the old, <laughs> make a rocket with your hands and all of that. Oh, we go all in. All of this whilst trying to evade, like, kind of the bike that's about to run us <laughs> over and getting mown down and trying not to be in the way. Somebody... Anyway, this took forever. Um, plus the chat, it was like the weeks when it was super muddy. So, oh, this was just going on and on and on. But. In my head, I was like, this is a learning lesson, Jim. You just need to remember, never forget the buggy again. So we probably got, I don't know, halfway home. And then I phoned Sarah. I said, are you at home yet? Can can you can you get the buggy from the car? Can you come and meet us? And so she did. And, and that was all great. Um, and then, so that was fine. And then <laughs> literally last week, uh, Monday, went to collect her from the playground. I got halfway across the common. And then I was like, I haven't brought the buggy. <laughs> I haven't it. And, and like, I'm one of those people who is like, oh, horrendously proud. So like, if I'm, if I've walked down the wrong street, if I've gone the wrong way, I will make some sort of charade, a bit of theater about why I'm going to turn around, you know, like, as in, I can't just like, I can't just be like, no, I shouldn't have gone this way. Just stop, turn around and walk back in. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's just nonsense. You pull your phone out and look at it and make some you make some gesture as if anybody else is watching you or anybody else cares to be like, oh, I should have gone that way kind of thing. And then turn around and go back again. But like <laughs> this time I was just like, I just like stopped on the spot, spun on my heel, walked straight back again, got the buggy, kind of go back again. And like, I was just like, oh, I cannot believe I've done that again. But this is this is why I say all this, because I, I was listening to something by um, a Catholic uh, priest, Richard Raw, uh, kind of talking about humility. And he, he says that he prays daily about humility. And he says, rather than um, praying to be humble, he, he said he prays, he prays every day that God would give him a humiliation, that he would have a humiliation every day. He said it doesn't need to be a big one, but just one that kind of just puts you in your place and i have to say that like since hearing that it was after the first forgetting of the buggy but before the second forgetting of the buggy and therefore when i forgot it the second time i kind of hung on to that and it meant that i was able to almost process the fact that i'd forgotten the buggy without being it kind of lost any sense of shame that i would naturally have had being like a proud idiot that uh i'd forgotten the buggy and it was a terrible thing to do i, I just kind of i almost embraced it as kind of being like well, that's that's my humiliation for today. The fact that I have to turn around in the middle of the common and just walk all the way back, go and get the buggy. I've wasted a bit of time, but but that kind of thing. And I think there's a real real power to it because else it kind of feels like anything you do, which is um, which is painful personally because you feel like you've stuffed up, you mucked up, or you've been beaten by your son again uh, on a video game or whatever. That that these things they can kind of they can do they can do damage in in ways which. I don't know. I don't not not necessarily in a serious way, but some can be in like a, a slightly deeper way. It feels like that kind of thing, whether it's like an imposter syndrome or feeling like we're not good enough and whatever, because it feels like a shameful thing to happen. Whereas if if I found for myself that if I view it as a humiliation that I want because I know that it helps grow something in me, it's like people. It's like praying for patience or whatever. I mean, like. You, there's no point praying for patience what you want to be praying for is people who test that patience you know that's that's the thing that helps it grow you don't go to a gym and just hope to be magically stronger you have to put more weight on the thing and 
and do all the reps in order to to become stronger and therefore i think i think humility is a little bit like that but it just just made me think about that when you were talking about kind of getting beaten by jack every single night uh on nintendo but yeah good luck with that that's um <laughs> that's really interesting does, so does he that's a i mean i've never heard that prayer before and i know richard draw as well and he's the sort of person who does you know he, he does look at things from you know really helpful and different angle on things and i think so why why does he pray that? Does he say why he prays that prayer or what the benefit of it would be? Is it just about your reaction to a to a situation like that? Or I I don't know. I don't know in a in a in a straight word. I my without going back to it and, and re-listening, which which you all can because it's all on the internet somewhere. Um it, it was more a case of like about about growing in humility, about being able I think it was more a case of he's he recognised his position in the world, like you say, he's a kind of well-known speaker and author and writer, whether you agree with him or not, in different things that, that he has a voice that's listened to. And he said, therefore, it's important to work on that. He said, I I live in a very simple, um, I live in very simple accommodation. And he said, I, I make this my daily prayer so that I don't, almost like I don't get too big for my boots, that I, 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 I keep recognising what, what my place in the world is and, and who really matters. I like that because it makes me think of just this couple of things, it, particularly, I suppose, when you, you know, you mentioned about how I'm getting absolutely mauled by Jack on <laughs> the Nintendo every, every night at the moment. But it, it's funny you say it because I think sometimes in, in that particular area of life, in parenting, you know, I, you do see it and I can't, I can't understand myself just perhaps more to do the sort of person I am, but there's a, it makes me, there's a particular image in my head. There's a, there's a program, TV program that we quite like to watch as a family called, called Modern Family. It's an American show about kind of uh, this, this extended family, but there's this guy in it called Phil, who's this dad, who's just, he's the, he's, he's so brilliant and so funny and so just raw in his approach to parenting. There's this one image of him on a tramp, you know, there's typical garden trampolines with a net around them outside. And they've got within there is a basketball net and he's playing basketball or a version of it with his son. His son at this stage in, in the programme must be all of about, I don't know, five or six. And Phil is taking absolute delight, bouncing on the trampoline and trouncing his son, like using the trampoline. So when his son attempts a shot, Phil bounces and slams it in defence away from the net and then <laughs> slam dunks the ball. And it's it's so funny because it's so the other way. Um, and, but it, it just a, it's just a brilliant moment in the, in the programme. But I just think... You know, when that you're you're right in terms of what's going on, I kind of think with Jack when when that's happening is that I just think it's not a bad thing because it would be horrendous in some ways the other way around that if he's always trying, you know, if, if I for whatever reason was trying to beat him, um, but I think I think it does. Um, well, I, I mean, for us, it's just a kind of bit of you know fun between us, but I think. It does develop that. That's a really good point. I think for me today, even, I mean, this morning, um, yeah, I just, you know, I just made this huge diary error and I'd at work and and it affected three other people. And, and that's the right word. I felt completely humiliated. I just felt like, oh, Steve, you know, and it, ha it happens. It just, it happens from time to time in life. It, you, but I'd made the error 
and it meant that two people were expecting a meeting at a different time and, and and one of the others on the team was expecting at the same time as me but I was responsible for making sure everyone knew what the date was hadn't happened so I had to come onto the call and immediately apologize for messing up the timetable of somebody's day apologize that I hadn't picked up on the last meeting it was completely humiliating and I think I'd I, I find that thought you've shared really helpful because I think, gosh, that does develop humility in you. And if my understanding of humility is that I heard somebody say humility is like strength under control. I'm not sure even as I say that what it means, but I think <laughs> as I say, I think, what does that mean? But I think it's, I think like, and the, the image they put with it about strength being under control is like a, it's like a wild horse that has been tamed. So when I was a younger man, I would have said, if, if this helps, this is me just thinking off, off the top of my head right now. But if you think of yourself as a human, as being a fairly wild creature in the sense of, you know, as a younger person, I might've been sure about my opinions of others. So I grew up in a church community that said, you know, that would have looked frowned upon people that smoked, frowned upon people that drank too much, frowned upon people that watch certain kind of things or what all that sort of stuff and so it developed and I was absolutely sure about that and so I would be that kind of a person and my experience in life over the last particularly over the last 25 years of meeting people for example that struggle with drink or meeting people that whatever that whatever it is that tempts them when you get to know the people that struggle with those things this it has not that it has humiliated me this has taken it slightly down a different track but it's made me think do you know what we all we all have our stuff that we we the way somebody said it to me was um you've got to learn to be gracious with others because when their demons come to haunt them you know you, we'll all have our own things that just try and get us as it were or, or are hard for us and i need the absolute grace of other people and so i think it i think i think it's developed in me or it's developing in me in a different way to that kind of humiliating experience, which does have an effect on you, makes you think, gosh, I'm not as I'm not as in control as I thought I was. But in another sense, you develop humility because you think, do you know what? I know in me, I have my dark side. I have the things in me that I that get hold of me sometimes. They may not be the same as other people, but I need to be so much more gracious towards those who struggle with other things. So does that make sense? You kind of have more of a... It humbles you and you have more of a kind of a, an approach to them that hopefully is a little bit more gracious. But as a young man, I'd have been wild about, you know, I knew what I thought and I'd have my opinions oh. or whatever. And Mate, I'm, 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 I'm never going to know as much as I did when I was 20 years old. You know, that kind of like <laughs> so black and white in your opinions about everything yeah. in yeah. the world. You know yeah. everything. Like whether it's right or wrong, you know it kind of thing. And yet as you get older, like you just realise that everything is shades of grey like there's there's almost no categorical um answers for anything um and yet like there's there's real beauty in that um and kind of mystery and wonder and all uh and yeah i think that's oh it's a, it's a big part of of life you know re realizing that that we aren't in control but that's not necessarily um that doesn't make everything bad it's it's almost like it's it's this kind of I suppose it's part of the heart of the gospel kind of thing. This this kind of realizing that we are not we are not the kind of the I don't know, it's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They put themselves above God. It's like we we're gonna be like God. Uh and it's almost like we've never stopped doing that as as human beings. We never stop kind of being like we're the ones who want control, we're the ones who wanna 
kind of lead the way and shape our futures. And I suppose this, I don't know, go back to that. It's a bit of a, it's a cliched saying, but it doesn't stop it having a measure of truth. Well, not a measure, a strong, strong, true sentiment within it. It's that, that thing of looking at somebody else's life and going, well, there, but by the grace of God, go I. You know, it's kind of like you, you recognise in once you hear the lives of other people that have had previously been presented as just like, this is a one-dimensional person. This is just a person with an addiction or it's a person who's chosen this kind of lifestyle or it's a person who chooses to, I don't know, whether it's smoke that substance or drink that drink or whatever, that that becomes the the measuring factor and almost no other part of that person is taken into account. And it's only when like you get to know people um, in different circumstances with different perspectives that you realize that 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 one dimensional model is that's not a person you know you're just making a judgment on this kind of single element of someone's life but actually when you get to know someone you you realize that they are they're a human being with their with their flaws and their strengths you know and it's it's not just it's not just an an addict who's somebody who I I don't know like somebody who's made a really bad choice and they're just living in the light of their bad choices but but this is a person who's who's wrestling with all kinds of all kinds of things in life as as we all are um and it wouldn't take much for any of us to end up in similar places yeah and you know going back to the richard raw's prayer you know almost asking god give me a give me a humiliating moment in every day Mm. what it makes me wonder now then is whether that whether what he's attempting to do is adopt a a constant kind of teachable posture so he's saying i'm going into my day and i'm recognizing i'm certainly not the finished article i need to keep learning and therefore this kind of you know i'll open myself to be teachable but the question that's in my head is i feel like something's happened in me that's made me approach life in that way that i think i, I i'm well aware that i constantly need to learn as a human I'm not certain about things, but I do find within the, the, you know, my friends who are Christians within the church community, there are some people who I think, man, you, again, you've been doing, you've been walking this walk for many, many years, and yet you still are incredibly critical or even judgmental towards this group of people or this person. You can call me out on it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend it's somebody else. <laughs> and maybe I, yeah, it's easy to point the finger. I don't mean to point fingers, but I just, I'm, I'm trying to understand. Cause I think some people don't seem to, f- I think how, I suppose my question is, how do you, how do you make yourself teachable? How do you adopt that posture? Uh, uh, and why does, why does some of us never seem to get there? Cause that, that seems really, again, in terms of trying to, in terms of trying to follow the way of Jesus, I kind of think, well, then I'm, I've got to, I've got to recognize there are going to be many teachable moments in the day. And if I'm not open to those, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in trouble. And I think just sometimes people just seem to be, I think, man, you're, you're, you're just not, you don't seem to be teachable in this area. You seem to be so certain of what you think. And it comes out in this ungraciousness sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, I think it's true in the, in the church, as we said, but probably in wider life as well, that people are so, I speak that for myself, that you can be so certain in what you, what you believe, um, or even about this, I suppose. But um, it's that thing of uh, everybody, everybody does think they're right. 
because I don't know, I heard it in a I I heard it in a punk band lyric um this week from um band called No FX. Um I'm gonna misquote the lyric, but it's kinda of like everybody everybody thinks they're right because if they realised they weren't, they'd change their minds. Like if you suddenly realise if you didn't think you were right, then you'd you'd do something about it. And and yet, particularly in church, I think we we don't we don't have a leg to stand on here because I think if you spoke to anybody in any sort of church tradition, and you said, "Do you know everything?" And why they say no? Well, kind of like do, uh, it's only only kind of God knows God knows everything, and therefore God God knows things kind of beyond our understanding and beyond our control and um, all of that kind of thing. Um, and and that but that. So that we would kind of say, like, God is always right. And therefore, like, if, if we were to ask ourselves if we were always always right, at a kind of thought experiment kind of level, we'd say, no, of course I'm not right about everything. God, only God is right about everything. Well, then the question is, well, when was the last time you changed your mind about anything? And I think a lot of people would really struggle to answer that question. A lot of people would really struggle to identify a time when they had actually changed their mind because... I think it's a really pertinent question, a really incisive one for all of us, because if it's if if we aren't always developing the way that we think, if we're not always looking to change the way that we see the world, even in small ways, then again, we're setting ourselves up as gods. We think we have it all together. We think we've got it all nailed and there's no room for God to kind of step in and go, well, are you, are you presuming you know everything now? Because, you know, you, you know, in at a, at a kind of. On no theoretical level that you don't, but yet practically we live and we judge and we view everybody else in a way that says, "No, I do know everything." Thanks very much. Yeah, no, I. I mean, I I think if you're going to be teachable, like I would, I find myself saying sometimes, you know, if I'd have looked at this story in the Bible two years ago, my my understanding of it now. May, may, be, may be different I might have even changed in terms of my opinions and I think I suppose that again that's a that's, that's a learned humility where you say I can still relearn stuff and it's okay to say I used to think this but now I've shifted and I now I now think this because because God has worked on it in you in some way and I think I think that's like you just said then I think to be able to admit that you're sorry to have made, but to admit that you changed your mind to a, to be able to say those kind of things. It's a re I think in terms of our journey as Christians is a really important thing to do. And I think going back to the thing of humility, because I think when people hear that word, it's a bit like one or two other words we hear, uh, I don't know, like meekness or whatever, that humility can just sound like this soft thing. Like you might be to be humble sounds like, oh, I, you know, people just walk all over me. But I think, again, going back to that definition of humility is strength under control. It's like where I am, I'm being brought under, um, I suppose I'd want to say I'm being brought to be, you know, where my life is more ruled, not by myself, but by, but by the place that God has in my life as the Lord of my life. And therefore that, that brings me to a place of, um, I don't like the word control, but it just brings me into a place where, yeah, again, I just have perhaps a different kind of posture towards a lot of different things. 
Um, and so even a humility towards, you know, because again, we can get, I think, as, as Christians, we can get when we when we come to the Bible, for example, well, I know what this is about. I already know what I think. I already know my opinions. And if you have that attitude, I think what it does is it almost closes the door on the opportunity for you to discover something new or to change as a person. And I think it's really important to kind of, you know, I, I try and come at God's word because it, when I read the Bible, I think it does, it's, it's incredible. It has that potential for you to see, you know, like it's referred to as the, this living word. And it does, it seems, I might, the way I understand that is, I can always see something fresh in it, something new. And I think the combination of it remaining constant and, and my experience in life, when those two things come together, they have the potential, I think, when I read it with a humility and I come to God saying, look, Lord, would you help me to, I don't know, give me insight into this particular word for me today. You might see something fresh or new. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's it's almost like it makes me think of uh, the kind of the intellectualizing of um the way that we do anything that almost the the way that you like developing in in the, in our world particularly in the west is it's an intellectual pursuit you look at school like it's just about learning more stuff you know that mm-hmm. kind of like it's a it's the uh the late brilliant academic ken robinson um one of his things is kind of like well if if you if you look at the school kind of system well it's it's pinnacle is that everybody should become a university professor you know that's what everybody that's what it shapes everybody towards that's the trajectory of our education and yet we know in life that the world doesn't need everybody to be a, um, a university professor you know we need all sorts and uh, that's not necessarily everybody's skill set or personality or whatever and it's not where everybody's necessarily going to be most p- at peace or enjoy that kind of thing um and yeah i think within within church life that that reading the Bible can become an intellectual pursuit that you read, you read about, I don't know, Jesus uh, being somewhere where he's looking out near Caesarea Philippi. And you, so like you, you need to know everything about that area and about that city and what that all means and everything else. Or he meets a Samaritan uh, woman at a well and it's kind of like, Oh yes, now this is going to, this is going to trigger all this knowledge that I've heard over years of kind of what this area was like and what it meant for this lady to be out in the time of day and all, all of that stuff. But it's it mean it means that you can come to each story, but you 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 view it through exactly the same lens every single time, and you you almost you um, you oh I don't know I don't know what you call it I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as saying you emasculate the word of God, but you 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 kill something in it um, by by thinking you know what it's saying, rather than say coming to a story and saying where do I find myself in this today. Like, as in, if there's if there's an interaction between people, who do I empathise with? Where where do I see myself in this story? How do I hear that today? Rather than just coming with a bucket full of facts and going, oh, yes, plug in the different kind of pieces of the puzzle. Yes, I understand this bit of the Bible. Thank you very much. I can move on. I heard a wonderful sermon on it 15 years ago. That was enough. Thank you very much. Mm. Um, and it means that your, your interaction with it stops being about a relationship it stops being you read the bible in order to meet with god on the other side of it but you just read the bible as this historical tome to be understood and just read as a book when it's not it's a lens to meet in the real living god uh and and sometimes we 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 reduce it to just being a book that's 
I think what you said there, a couple of things, you just, because I think, I think the thing of relationship is really, really significant. And I think it's really interesting what you said about Ken Robinson, the educator, he, you know, he's saying that the goal of the, the, the natural traje trajectory of edu the education system is that everyone ends up as a professor. And yet many of us, if we hear that, we would say like my own story would be, well, I didn't get anywhere near that, you know, dropped out whatever stage. That's just part of it. And I think when I think it just when you were saying that, I thought, you know, it's interesting when I think we mentioned this in a previous a previous podcast is that when G when you look at the education system, the Jewish education system of the day, Jesus days that they, um, you know, it was kind of step one, step two, step three. It was all about it seemed to me it was all about knowledge, you know, and, and knowing and being able to recite the text off by heart. And I know there was this last stage where it was about following the rabbi and, and choosing a rabbi to be your teacher. And actually what Jesus helps us to understand there is that, is that, that the real teaching about the real discovery about um, what it is to be human and so on happens in, in, in ordinary everyday life situations. And you see it just again and again with him is that the text, the biblical text is not, oh, I just read this in the morning and then I tick a box to say I read a bit of the Bible today. The text comes to life because coming all the way back to where you began and, and bizarre or wonderfully, not bizarrely, wonderfully, the text comes to life when you forget to take the buggy with you when you go to pick up your daughter because it, mm. it's in that moment that that moment even becomes for you as a human being a teachable moment that you either just <laughs> excuse the pun but you either throw your toys out the pram in frustration yourself and kind of just lose the plot with it or you think you know even in this even in this even in me forgetting to get the jolly date right in the diary even in me forgetting the pram even in whatever it is that 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 those daily moments that we go through in all the places and all the interactions we have that they have divine possibility mm. Mm. and that sounds a bit grand but what i mean by that is that god is in them that you know that god is not just in my quiet time that god not is not just um you know when we get when we come together as a church community on Sunday, but God is in those moments and they are, they are where I really am taught and shaped and formed. And I think with the disciples, you see it again and again and again, you know, one, one that comes to mind, I know it's a bit different to our everyday experience, but when Jesus is faced with a crowd that needs some food and he turns to Philip and says, what, what do you think we should do? You know, and he, he kind of puts it on them. Here, here we are, you know, you, you, you say you worship a God who, what's that phrase has the cattle on a thousand hills or whatever which is i think a way of expressing is the what has, is that the phrase i don't know the, <laughs> the cat, i'm sure you said cat <laughs> and cats no cattle oh cattle cattle, cattle on a thousand, a thousand hills, hills of cats which i think <laughs> which is an awful picture in mine <laughs> but I, but anyway i think i think i think i don't think anybody should have more than about two cats it's just oh. it's, it just gets weird beyond that for me <laughs> um but like i think it's a way of saying you know, God has got infinite resources. Yeah. Now I can say that and I can worship it on Sunday. I can go, oh God, you're amazing. You're, you've got all these resources. And then I find myself, you know, 
faced with putting that into practice when I don't know, I'm running out of money and I've got to feed the kids or whatever it is. That's, am I going to put my trust in it then? Mm, mm, yeah. and, and we learn the lessons, don't we? In the, definitely. definitely. In, the, in the very ordinary things of daily life. Mm. Well, I mean, I have to say, I'm looking forward to telling Jackson all about this so that next time he trounces you, he can say, now, now, this is a teachable moment. There's divine possibility. <laughs> might get sick of saying that. Thank you for listening. We have these chats once a week as we explore being intentional about relationship together. So if you want to journey with us, then why not subscribe? You can find out more about Ballon Baptist Church on our YouTube channel or through Instagram at Ballon Baptist. <laughs>